Hey Dale, what kind of motorcycle does Santa Claus drive? A Holly Davidson. Uh, <laughs> I think that joke was corny. It came from Dale, who's, you know, what's Dale's best dish he makes? Cornbread? So, of course, what other kind of jokes would he have, right? <laughs> well, this is the fourth week of Advent, and as you can tell by the great reading we had, uh, our theme for this week of Advent is love. And, you know, over the years, there's been a lot of songs that have had love in the title. And I could probably go out there and you guys could name a bunch of them. Um, but I remember, remember the old TV show, Love American Style, you know that? And then the Beatles, All You Need Is Love and Love Me Do. Elvis, right? Can't help falling in love. Yeah. Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. And, and that queen, the crazy little thing called love. I always liked that song. I never knew who sang it until I looked this up and I was like, well... <laughs> anyway, and then one of my favorite songs, Huey Lewis in the News, The Power of Love. So, you know, just all sorts, you know, that love is a, a recurring theme that we have throughout uh, our history. You know, in 1965, there was a hit song that hit the airwaves that expressed the sentiment of many people around the country and around the world at the time. It just really resonated with people. And in 1965, I know there's uh, one of the benefits of having a church where we're a little older is that we remember things in history that a lot of people don't. But in 1965, the U.S. was ramping up its involvement in Vietnam, and uh, um, not everyone was pleased about that. There was protests beginning and, and there was a great divide in our nation. Hmm, gee, kind of history repeats itself, right? Sounds familiar. And there was a young lady named Jackie DeShannon. She recorded a song written by Burt Bacharach, right? And it made it to in the top 10 of the Billboard charts. Anyone, anyone here remember Casey Kasem, American Top 40? Yeah. All right. I used to like to listen to that over, we lived in Panama and you had one station and every Saturday you'd listen to Casey Kasem and American Top 40 and his sign off, keep your feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars, right? So one week in 1965, Casey Kasem played uh, at number seven, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? And with the growing divide in our country, it really resonated with people. You know, we all desire to love and we all desire to be loved. We long for it. We search for it. The problem is, is a lot of people search for it everywhere, but where it's truly found. That was another song, you know, Johnny Lee looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay. But really true love is found in Christ Jesus. That love that never failed is never fails is found in Jesus alone. And in this last Sunday of Advent, this time of year where we again remember Jesus' first coming and anticipate and hopefully long for his second coming, 
we look at and understand that the facts surrounding Jesus's first coming and his expected and assured second coming are motivated motivated solely by his love for us. His love for mankind. We really cannot understand the depth of his love for us, but it's real and it's assured to us in scripture. Jeremiah 31.3, what we just read earlier. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. An unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God loves us. And our scripture in Romans 5 expounds on this as well. First, Paul tells the Romans, we know God dearly loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The translation here says that God's love was poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and poured out, not a little dribble, but like getting a bucket and just pouring it all out. God wants to fill our hearts with his love. And hopefully in turn then we are so filled with the love of God that we can't help but to pour it out on others. Now maybe if we're not feeling that, maybe there's something in the way. It isn't because God doesn't want to give it to us. Maybe it's because for some reason we're not letting it happen. And so we need to examine ourselves. Now, Jesus, before he was crucified, he told his disciples that he wouldn't leave them as orphans, that he was going to send a helper, an advocate who never leaves us. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit teaches us, encourages us, exhorts us. And when necessary, hopefully, convicts us of the sin in our lives, convicts us to repentance. The Holy Spirit is another proof of God's love for us. He didn't just leave us here. He didn't just abandon us here. He gave us a helper, a guide, a teacher. But he goes on by telling us that not only in his love did God send the Holy Spirit, but he tells us even though that we were still yet in sin, not deserving of any grace or any favor from God, he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for us. I don't know about you, But I don't do a whole lot of things for people that I feel like, and this is just, you know, testimony time, I guess. You know, I don't do a whole lot of stuff for people that I feel like it's not very appreciated. All right? I mean, I think that's kind of... And 
The vast majority of people turn their back on God. But regardless, he still sent his son to die on that cross for us. Why? Because Hebrews tells us that in Hebrews 9.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus had to die on that cross for us to pay the penalty for the sins that we commit. And he did it because he loved us. Now the good news is, Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? He didn't stay on that cross. Three days later, he rose again, and we'll be celebrating that here in a few months. You know, we, man, we mankind, really, in regards to sin, are rotten to the core. We have this natural want to to sin with us. I've said it dozens of times, okay? Nobody had to teach us to be bad, did they? Our parents didn't have to sit us down and say, you're too good. we got to be bad. We're rotten. But he sacrificed himself for us. And that's love. That's love. And that's the kind of love that Christ has for us, for you and me. And that's why he came 2,000 years ago. For you and for me. That we might one day come to see him face to face in glory. Jesus isn't an idea. Jesus, Jesus isn't a, well, just a really great teacher. No. He's the king. Who is the Lord of glory? But Paul gave a real caveat, if you will, at the beginning of this passage. Romans 5. He said, therefore, having been justified by faith. You see, we have... Uh, he says, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, justified by faith. You see, until we put our hearts, give our hearts, and give our lives to Christ, we're not made right with God. That's just the reality of it. And unless we come to faith in Christ, even though God loves us as his creation, those promises that we've been looking at in the past three weeks, the promises of hope and joy and peace that are found in this passage either, that we can have through Christ and through Christ alone, are not for those who turn their back on Christ, who have not received Christ. Is that harsh? Yes. But we need to remember, we don't come to God on our own terms. We come to God on his terms. And he invites all to come. And he invites all to come as they are. You do not have to be perfect to come to Jesus. Not at all. But if you sincerely come in repentance and faith, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change in you. The Bible says we are new creations in Christ. And unfortunately, and I, I feel like I have to say this, there's a wrong theology out there, a very wrong theology, that says that God's love is so great that he loves us no matter what. We can stay the way we are. There's no change required. After all, he made us this way. 
So, you know, my desires, my wants are, are more important than God's will. No, 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 no. I can best illustrate this with two events from the life of Jesus. Two interactions he had with two different men. For we'll go to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 18 through 23, it says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the young ruler said, well, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. You see, Jesus required this young man to change, didn't he? He said, hey, you've, you've did all this. And, you know, he didn't argue with him. He didn't say, well, yeah, really, you honored everything from me. No, he said, the one thing you got to do then is sell all you have and follow me. And Jesus did not say, follow me very lightly. He said it to the people that he had wanted and desired to be apostles for him. He said it to those whom he really, truly wanted to follow him. And the young man couldn't do it. He couldn't make that sacrifice. He couldn't make that change in his life. He wanted that eternal life, but he wanted it on his terms. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And I think Jesus was just as sad as the young man when he watched him walk away. But it was Jesus' expectation that if he were to follow him, the young man would change. What did this young man give up? We'll never know. What did he give up by not following him? By holding on to the riches that he couldn't take with him? Jesus' expectation that the young man would change his Life, his focus on life, his way of living, and have a new life in, that would be centered on Jesus. Not that same life centered on himself and his material possessions. Now for us today, we can insert whatever it is in our life that takes precedence over Jesus. Whatever it is that we choose over Jesus. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's material goods. Maybe it's self. Maybe we just have to be in control. We can't give our lives. We can't give our lives over to somebody else. I don't know. Maybe it's a, a relationships. Whatever it is that we place before Jesus. You see, we would be like that rich young ruler that would prevent us from truly following him. 
We need to place Jesus in our relationship with him first in our lives. Here's how Paul puts it in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the real life I now have within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jesus gave himself for us. See, where he says, though, I, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's subjected his wants and his desires to Christ. Colossians 3 says, you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, our next example is a story of a man who did just that. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short stature. I can relate to that. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, despised by everyone because they were greedy. They, that's how they made their money. The Romans said, you owe $10, he's going to charge you 20 And they became rich. And he heard about this Jesus who was going to come to town and he wanted to see him. But he was too short, he couldn't see. So we little Zacchaeus, what, climbed the sycamore tree? You guys all remember that song, right? We little man was he, Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree. Anyway. So Jesus saw him up there and he said, hey, come on down. And he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus was like, hey, awesome. You know, and he goes, and, and, he, and at that point, when Jesus reached out to him, Zacchaeus responded, didn't he? And Zacchaeus at that point became a different man. He responded joyfully. He became a believer and his life changed. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. And Zacchaeus was different from then on. He made restitution to the people that he cheated. He gave half of his wealth to the poor. 
And he didn't do that because he was trying to get on Jesus' good side. He did it because he gave his heart to Jesus. He, he, he saw his sin and he was repenting of his sin and, and, and making things right. He was changed. He was not the same Zacchaeus. Jesus came to him and Zacchaeus responded. Now, as we consider the great love that Jesus has for us and that he came for us, we need to ask ourselves this Advent season. Ask yourself this Advent season. What is your response to Jesus? Are you the rich young ruler or are you Zacchaeus? Have you given your life to him because he gave his life for you? Do you desire that peace, love, joy, and hope? I hope so, because he desires you to have them. Remember that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. While you were yet sinner, he died for you. And that's how much he wants you to have them. And all you have to do is receive. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord God. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your love for us, your love for me, Lord God, that compelled you to come from the, the glory and majesty of heaven above to this sin-filled, dark place called earth. You were born as the most weak thing. You humbled yourself to that point. All because you love us, Lord God. So Father, today as we go forth, I pray, Lord, we ask ourselves, are we Zacchaeus? Living a changed life for you? Or are we the rich young ruler who is putting something else before you and turning away and not living that life. Father, I pray if anyone here desires to receive you, to become a Zacchaeus, that they would give their heart to you. They just, anyone here, just pray either now or wherever you're at. Just tell God that you want to live for him, that you want your sins forgiven, and that you believe what Jesus did for you. When you sincerely share that with God, then you become that child of God and the promises of hope and peace and love and joy are yours to take hold. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. And Father, as we go through this week, help us, Lord God, to walk in that faith, walk in that victory, walk in peace and love and joy in our hearts. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.